Legalism is really real in our hearts. You know why I believe legalism is so real? Because there's a part of us that really feels that we need to add something to it. There's this part of our lives that we need to bring something to the table. But really all we bring to the table is the faith of a child that holds out the hands and says, thank you, Lord. That's all we bring. You really can't bring anything to the table when it comes to salvation. Nothing you've done is good enough to pay for the sins that you've committed. But Pastor Daniel will tell you today that it's okay. Not only can't you bring anything to the table, you shouldn't. Jesus has taken care of it all, so there's no need for legalistic rituals. All you need to do is accept His grace as the forgiveness of your sins. That's it. There's nothing else. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Galatians chapter 6 as he begins his message, Jesus is greater than everything. So here we are at the end of our journey. How many of us have ever gotten to the end of something and thought, man, I'd love to be able to go back and experience this thing all again. Am I the only person like that? It reminds me a little bit of, uh, of my pastor. Uh, his name is John Henry Corcoran. He's from Ireland. He uh, serves down in Southern California now. But I remember when I was apprenticing for ministry with him, I was his assistant pastor. And uh, I remember we would go out to eat, and next to this lunch spot that we'd like to go to, there was this uh, homemade ice cream place. Everyone laughs when I say that there was a homemade ice cream place. But sure enough, you know what it's like when you're eating homemade ice cream and you're just enjoying it. And I remember we were eating and we were talking about ministry and life and all these different things. And then we get down to the end and he looks at me, he's like, so Daniel, shall we have another? I was like, right on, man, let's do it. And sure enough, he went back because it was so good. It was so good. And in a lot of ways... We're in that place right now as we're closing out this series that we call Jesus is Greater Than Everything from Paul's letter to the Galatians. It's Paul's done with his letter, but everything's been so good. He needs to go back and do it again. He needs to go back and share it again. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul does. It's kind of like I've been waiting for this. I'm looking forward. At some point, someone is going to invent a, uh, a pill that after you eat a delicious meal... You eat this pill and it dissolves everything in your stomach in like a totally healthy way. You know what I mean? So that you, because I'm the only person like this. Because after you're done, you're like, I'd just like to go back and have a little bit more. If I had a little bit more room in there, anyway. I'm not the only, I know you guys are like that too. But in a lot of ways, to end the letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul's like, we're going to go over this all again just one more time. That's exactly what he does. He's so excited about the finished work of Jesus and the good news and what it means that he's like, we're going to do this again. So ready to do it again? Open up in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6. 
as we finish on out Paul's letter to the Galatians. So Paul's letter to the Galatians, it's towards the end of your Bible. It's about the middle of your New Testament. Paul's 13 letters, right? You have Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then the book of Galatians, and then you have the book of Ephesians. So it's in between 2 Corinthians and the book of Ephesians. And you guys know chapter 6 sits conveniently after chapter 5. Now look at what it says in verse 11 of Galatians chapter 6. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desired to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And he ends with that classic word, and all the people said, Amen. Now, you notice in verse 11, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. So you could imagine if you were reading the actual scrolls of this letter to the Galatians, they would be pulling this out and all of a sudden they would read that there'd be a new handwriting because the apostle Paul, he would dictate his letters and somebody would write it down. But oftentimes in Paul's letters, Paul would then grab a pen and he'd begin to write the very end of it. You see this a number of times in Paul's letters. You can see that at the end of 1 Corinthians in chapter 16, at the end of Paul's letter to the Colossians in chapter 4, at the end of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And Paul did this for a number of reasons. One was to authenticate that he was indeed the author of them. You could imagine that because the Apostle Paul, and some people would say that the Apostle Paul had some sort of an ailment. It's commonly said he had an eye ailment, which also made writing challenging for him. And he talked earlier in the Paul's letter to the Galatians about how they would have even plucked out their eyes for him because there was a problem with Paul's eyes. And so first he would have someone write, and then he would write in his own hand to authenticate that indeed this wasn't a forgery. Not anyone could just send a letter and say this was from the Apostle Paul. So he would use his own handwriting, but then he would also often want to reiterate the main points. He'd want to go back around again and get a second ice cream cone. He wanted, he's been so excited about what the word says that he's saying, look, let's go around it again. And that's exactly what he does. And so in these last eight, seven verses of Paul's letter to Galatians, Paul actually recaps the entire book, but he writes it himself with his own hand. Now, notice what it says first, verse 12. And this is really the whole reason Paul has written 
these, this letter to the churches in Galatia. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So the principle or the point that I want to show you is that we need to make sure that we do not boast in the flesh. That's been the whole thrust, the boasting in the flesh. And Paul's saying, look, all this is happening to you, Christians in Galatia, because there's a group of people who want to be able to boast in your flesh. And the entire letter is because of this. Now, if you've traveled with us over the last three months, you realize that what went on for the churches in Galatia was that these churches, the Apostle Paul came through that region and he started congregations of people based on the message that a person is declared right with God simply because of the finished work of Jesus. That God did for humanity what no human could do for themselves. That Jesus came and he lived the perfect life, the life that you and I should live. He died the death that we deserved because we fell and the wages of sin is death. But he rose again, conquering sin, conquering death because Jesus had done nothing wrong to deserve death. Death couldn't keep him, had to give him back. Now, that's the gospel message. That's the good news that God loves humanity so much that God would do the work that we can't do. That's the good news. That's why they call it good news. But sure enough, a group of people, they came from the Jerusalem area. They had put their faith and trust in Jesus. But as they went to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, they said, listen, the apostle Paul didn't tell you the whole story. Yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. You need to be circumcised. Now, you guys know that when we get to talk about circumcision and foreskin in church, we're just going to take that and drive it like we stole it, right? It's kind of an awkward discussion because we don't think a whole lot about circumcision unless you have a, a, a child. And I remember when, they, when we had Obadiah, they came in, so are you going to circumcise your child? And I'm just like, oh. But you don't really normally think about it. But you have to remember that in the book of Genesis, God gave the sign of the covenant to Abram, which was literally the circumcision of all of Abram's male children. It was this cutting away of the flesh. Now you can imagine, imagine you're a, a young Brand new baby Christian in the area of Galatia, that whole region. And all of a sudden you put your faith in Jesus because God has taken care of your every need in Christ. And then someone comes and listen now, now you need to be circumcised. You can imagine all the guys in the church in Galatia being like, um, wait, excuse me? What's that? Excuse me? That'd be kind of nuts, right? <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of the fun of that. Sorry. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that part of the anatomy, you sinners. Anyway. <laughs> I did not mean to. <laughs> See, now these are the moments in a sermon for a pastor that this thing can go in a lot of different directions now. We're going to put things back on track. <laughs> The reason, we talk about this, and, and like you can imagine this. Now, 
There's some of you here right now, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, right? And I'm here to tell you that all you need to do is believe in Jesus. You don't add anything to the equation. You don't. There's nothing that a human being can do to secure their salvation except for believe in Jesus. That's the good news. But imagine if people were coming forward to receive Jesus, and I'm like, okay, now that you guys are all saved, time to circumcise you, and I pull out a flint knife. That would be terrifyingly awkward, right? But that's what's at stake here. That's why Paul has to write this letter. And in case you haven't realized, maybe circumcision is not the legalistic way to follow Jesus now, but you know and I know that within the people of God, there are all sorts of versions of legalistic Christianity. That in order to be right with God, yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but you need to make sure you read this Bible, or you need to make sure you worship on this day of the week, or you need to make sure that you get baptized this special way, or, 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 or. There's a million versions of it. So although for the churches in Galatia, it was the influence of Judaism in 21st century Christianity in all of its different forms, there's a million forms of legalism. And my friends, within this congregation right here, there's also a million forms of legalism in each one of our hearts. There's these ways that we believe in Jesus, but we seek to boast in the flesh. And what Paul is saying is like, listen, do not boast in the flesh. And he starts to explain the roots of the legalism in the hearts of these people who had come and said, no, you need to be circumcised. Notice what he says first in verse 12. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. See, One of the reasons legalism happens is because people want to make a good showing in the flesh. They're really concerned about their reputation. Now, listen, what's really amazing about this is that when I search my heart, and I know that if you allow the Spirit of God to search your heart, that what you find is a lot of the things that we struggle with is wanting to make sure that we are properly positioned in the eyes of other people. That we do certain things and we don't do certain things because we really want to make sure that everyone's going to be happy with us. That we're going to put forth the right persona, that our reputation would be intact. And I've said it many times here from this pulpit that reputation is what people think you are, but character is who God knows that you are. And most of the things that really bother us is that we feel like now people are going to view us in a way differently than we want them to. You guys realize that that's flesh, right? Flesh is saying, this is important to me because it helps me package myself with my own personal marketing ideas on how I want you to view me. It doesn't really matter what God is doing just as long as I am keeping face. That's flesh, my friends. Flesh is saying it's more important to put a good showing on in the flesh than to follow after Jesus. How many of us right now we're not finding ourselves walking in the way that we ought because we want to make sure we're putting forth the good showing? We're not doing what God is asking us to do because we want people to like us. We want people to be happy with us. I think it was 
One of the Greek philosophers says, if you want everyone to be happy with you, say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to create waves. If you're going to be honest about what God is up to, people are going to get upset. When you have to make changes, people get frustrated with you. They get frustrated. But too often what we do is we're so busy wanting everyone to like us that we forget that we're supposed to follow Jesus. That we're supposed to do the things that God places in front of us. That we're supposed to be unashamed to say, listen, even if you think wrong of me for doing what I'm doing, I'm going to do it anyway. Paul's saying, look, the reason that they want you to be circumcised is they want to be able to say, look, man, I got them circumcised, and they didn't want to suffer the persecution of the cross. You realize that in the early church, the first layers of persecution that the followers, the disciples of Jesus had were from the Jewish people. And by allowing the believers to be circumcised, that alleviates some of the struggle. No, no, they're being circumcised. Listen, don't worry. It's, it's kosher. But when Jesus calls us to follow him, we have to be willing to step out no matter the cost. Now, not only that, look at what he says next. He says here in verse 13, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. He said, look, you know these people who want to make you Jewish? They're not keeping the law either. And isn't that almost the whole thrust of Paul's letter to the Galatians? He's like, look, when you have a legalistic view of Christianity, nobody keeps the standards that they try and hold everybody to. That's the whole point of it. And Jesus brought that even out further in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said something like this. You know what you heard? He said you shouldn't murder one of the Ten Commandments. I tell you, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've murdered him already. He says... Things like, oh, you've heard it say you shall not commit adultery, but if you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already in your heart. See, what Jesus is saying is that it's not about the externals, it's about the internals. And what is happening outside is a window to what is inside. And legalistic Christianity is always about the externals. It's always about, this is how I look. But Paul said, those who want to make you circumcised... They're not keeping the law either. And isn't that why one of the things that our, our culture actually has correct, although it lacks introspection, is that our culture really despises somebody who doesn't walk what they talk. Right? Now, what's amazing is I say that it's not introspective because do any of us really walk our talk? Our culture isn't exactly non-hypocritical. But everybody knows that if you're going to put a yoke of law on people, at the very least, you should be living it out. And Paul's saying, they're not living it out. But what they want to do is they want to be able to tell their buddies, oh, I got the churches in Galatia to get circles. I mean, I don't know about you. It's a weird thing to boast in. Can you imagine like you're hanging out, you're having a barbecue, and you're like, oh, yeah, I got them all get circumcised. Whoa, yeah, you're, you're a stud. Great ministry. It's kind of weird, right? I would hope so. But realistically, we all know that legalism is really real in our hearts. You know why I believe legalism is so real? Because there's a part of us that really feels that we need to add something to it. 
there's this part of our lives that we need to bring something to the table. But really all we bring to the table is the faith of a child that holds out the hands and says, thank you, Lord. That's all we bring. And even, you know, the ability to do that is an act of, that's been given by God. But we just simply just receive and say, Lord, thank you. And we have to be careful because I know when I came to know Jesus, I went from being a kind of a crazy heathen to being a legalist in like six months. Church does a great job of being like, oh, this, you got to be this way and this is really important. If you do that, you're definitely not okay. And, and I was grateful for my pastor. He understood grace and he talked to me about grace. And he said, Daniel, you're being a legalist. You think you're going to help God in saving you? We have to be careful that we don't boast in the flesh. And the flesh is in the skin. The flesh is the things that we do for God. See, religion is, I do this for God and he accepts me. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is, God did this for me and now I'm accepted. It's a huge difference in motivation. How often do we do good things for legalistic reasons? When God is wanting to do a deep heart work in each one of us. So don't boast in the flesh. This reminds me of Galatians 5.13. The Apostle Paul said it just a chapter before. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty only. Do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I love that. Because what it's saying is that, look, you have the liberty because of Jesus, but don't use it as an opportunity to serve the flesh. Instead, in love, serve one another. It's amazing. For those of you who've been walking with Jesus for a long time, it's amazing how much flesh we can tie up into good Christian jargon. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? Where it's like, you know it all, but it's like, no. Paul says, listen, all that's, it's all flesh. Even though you got all the right words and you got all the, and you say it all the right ways, you got a scripture for it. The really question is, is are you loving somebody and are you serving that person? Through love, serve one another. And that's so different than boasting in the flesh, isn't it? See, God values servanthood because Jesus said that he's the servant of all. So he said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When was the last time you woke up and you said, all my five-year plan is to love people more and be the servant of all? Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel recapped some of Paul's major points in the book of Galatians, focusing especially on the concept of legalism. This false way of living for Christ says that Jesus wasn't enough to save you. You have to continue to do religious acts to guarantee you'll have eternal life. Doing good for Jesus is meant to be a response to grace, a desire to follow in his footsteps simply because you love him. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more. 
Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well. From those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you. And that's what transforms our world. Find out more and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will remind you that Jesus sees greatness as being a servant to all. He doesn't look at bank accounts or house size to determine worth. Jesus looks at hearts. He's calling you to serve people around you, not out of a sense of racking up points, but out of love. Loving others well means being there for them in every season and being willing to do what needs to be done for them. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Jesus is Greater Than Everything. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.